Jeff Levy being mentioned in the potential offensive coordinator job for Alabama. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. Joining me, as always, is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, I got to say, when I first heard about this whole levy connection to Alabama, I was taken aback and I had to go like scour the internet to see where this was coming from. And I didn't have to scour very far because Pete Thamel on the Paul Feinbaum show in a discussion about potentially Bill O'Brien leaving Bama to go to the new England Patriots back to the NFL to take their offensive coordinator job. Pete Thamel of ESPN, a very well-known, well-regarded, he doesn't just say things just to say them. Um, he mentioned to Paul Feinbaum that Jeff Levy is a name that he has heard in connection to the offensive coordinator job at Alabama. If it were to come open. Well, and if you're just getting up to speed on this, the new England Patriots have interviewed Alabama offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien for their vacant offensive coordinator position. So same position, but, For Bill O'Brien, somebody that John has that NFL track record, of course, and probably is trying to parlay himself back into the National Football League, he's interviewing with the Patriots. Now, we'll see these dominoes, of course, depend on him getting offered and accepting the New England Patriots job. The Alabama gig is not open as of where we stand right now, but it sounds like for maybe some people in the know, if you buy into Pete Thamel being someone that is definitely in the know talking with Paul Feinbaum, that sort of the behind the scenes dominoes are starting to topple over, right? That maybe Bill O'Brien's headed to new England. That would open up a vacancy at Alabama and lo and behold, the top target is Jeff Levy. Now, some of you out there might be saying to yourself, well, wait a second. Why Jeff Levy? I saw an Oklahoma offense that yeah, was, was really you know, explosive at times, but uh, also was puzzling at times. I saw an offensive coordinator in Jeff Levy that I don't even, not even magically, John, uh, tragically, (laughs) it rhymes with magically, but not the same. Tragically did not have a backup quarterback ready to play in arguably Oklahoma's most important game of the season. Now, tough card that he was dealt on and on and on. Okay, so there's, Definitely positives for Jeff Levy. He's, uh, you know, operated great offenses in the division that uh, Nick Saban resides, the SEC West that he's trying to conquer. And he's got some similarities to an offense in Tennessee that gave Alabama fits this season. So all of those parts of the puzzle add up. I'm, uh, I don't know that I'm seeing it happening. I, I, where are you at with it? This almost, to me, 
reads a little bit like, hey, came to Oklahoma with a ton of momentum next to the name. Team finishes six and seven. I'm going to get my agent on the phone to float out the idea that I'm a heavy candidate for this Alabama gig. I'm not going to go so far as to say that he wouldn't be of interest to Nick Saban and Alabama. He's had success everywhere he's gone so far as an offensive coordinator. Could he have success again at Bama? Absolutely could with potentially better players at Bama than what he has at Oklahoma. Possibly. I I do think that it's an odd connection, you know, unlike Bill O'Brien going to the Patriots where he's got a connection with Bill Belichick, having served as the offensive coordinator there before this one doesn't seem to fit as well because what's the connection between Jeff Levy and Nick Saban other than Nick Saban is arguably the best coach in college football history. He coaches at Alabama. Other than that, what's the relationship? The relationship is solidified at Oklahoma with Levy, Brent Venables. There's history with Levy and the university. The University of Oklahoma is kind of what got him kickstarted on the coaching career that he's on. So it's, it's odd to me that that would come up. But, I mean, <laughs> given all of the, uh, I don't even want to say backlash, but some of the negative vibes and feelings out there about Jeff Levy. I mean, is it possible that he could be like, Hey, well, I'll just go, I'll go to Bama and kind of re, you know, reignite my career a little bit. You know, even after what was a a solid season, it wasn't a great season, but it was good enough. We we've gone down the stats more than enough on the show that we should all be aware that like they had the defense allowed 35 points or more seven times. They were one in six in those games. That's not an offensive problem. That's a defensive problem. The offense was good enough at times. And so I don't buy that he would leave to go to, to Alabama because it's a lateral move. I figure the next move that Jeff Levy makes would be to a head coaching position. If that's something that is even possible for him at this point. Um, I just think that the tie between him and Brent Venables is too tight that it doesn't make much sense on, on as far as I'm concerned. Well, and Jeff Levy is someone who, again, the ups and downs of this season, I was painting a little bit of maybe too pessimistic of a picture with Jeff Levy. Jeff Levy's a fantastic offensive coordinator based on what you see that he's done at UCF, what he's done at Ole Miss. And honestly, for the most part, what happened at year one at Oklahoma. Now, there were some curious things along the way, uh, a la the, the Texas game and just the inability of this offense to consistently and I know they were at times John unfairly asked to do way too much but there were moments to put games away or to go make plays to win a shootout in this offense curiously on third and fourth downs and key spots couldn't do that right so there, there were areas for this offense to definitely be to have been better and to have resembled some of the other offenses he's directed in the past but you know if you are Jeff Levy and again you have the relationship that you touched on, John, where this is your alma mater, the University of Oklahoma. In a lot of ways, outside of coaching as the head coach at OU, this is your dream job, is to be the OC at Oklahoma. At least on paper, it seems that it would be your dream job, right? So if all of those things are true, then even though it's Alabama and and Nick Saban, John, and that has been 
not that Jeff Levy's in this stage of his career where he's down and out and needs fixing. I'm not saying that, but that has been the coach's rehabilitation clinic, right? Alabama has. So from that standpoint, it's, it's at least feasible to wrap your brain around the idea. Okay. Why would this be attractive to Jeff Levy? Even just beyond Nick Saban's won a bunch of national championships and Oh, by the way, here lately, they've had terrific offenses. It it's easy to see where he looks at it and says, okay, if I go to Alabama, maybe that is the, the launching point off to, to getting my head coaching career started. But again, if you believe that you're in your dream job, John, and you're building something special at the university of Oklahoma, you don't leave after six and seven, where by and large, you did do a lot of positive things, though you could have been better. Yeah. And kind of given the, the light of what's happening with TCU and Kendall Bryles, if Jeff Levy feels like going to Bama would be kind of the last move that he would have to make in order to completely rid himself of the Baylor history that kind of follows him, maybe that's what it is. If, if you get the blessing of Nick Saban, then maybe you're kind of at that point, you're hireable as a head coach uh, across college football. It hasn't really worked out for Art Bryles. He hasn't been able to get a, another coaching job since everything that transpired at Baylor. You know, Kendall's been a different story um, and we don't have to rehash all of it, but it's just one of those things that kind of just pops up. Like, could that just be one of those things? Like if, if Nick Saban says you're okay, then maybe you're okay for the rest of the college football world to touch. I, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I know that at Oklahoma, he's in a comfortable place with family, with, you know, quote unquote family with people he has longstanding relationships with. And, and that, that that's going to matter. And so that's part of the, again, that's the biggest reason why I don't think this is going to gain any traction that he's going to head to Alabama. Again, like I've said, I, I think that he'll be at Oklahoma for quite some time, um, especially through the transition to the sec, probably for much of Jackson Arnold's career. But I think his next move would be if he's able to get that would be as a head coach somewhere down the line. Yeah, it's just fascinating that, again, you know, Jeff Levy's done some incredible things as an offensive coordinator, and there's no way that you can classify this past season as bad, John, you know, the whole season itself. The Texas game was an outright disaster for everyone, and I do find that Levy is, as the offensive coordinator, culpable in not having Oklahoma in any way, shape, or form ready for that football game with its backup quarterback. But that being said, isn't it interesting that just again after a six and seven season where, yes, it wasn't all bad, it was mostly good offensively, the stock isn't up with Jeff Levy. The stock is down with Jeff Levy. So the idea that Alabama would come calling that he's the top name, I don't know. I, I, I'm i going to have to see it to believe it, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, money always talks, and we know Alabama's got the coffers. Uh, and we didn't think Lincoln Riley was going to leave, and – Yet here we are. So we're going to talk about the kind of the what if, like what would Oklahoma do at offensive coordinator if in fact Jeff Levy were to leave to go to Alabama? We'll talk to you about that after I talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports, from football to basketball, college football, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball. Which I mean, pitchers and catchers are less than a month away. Spring training is right around the corner. The start of the baseball season is coming fast. Get in on the action, futures actions over at Bet Online. Again, the best place to place all your bets. Fast, easy, simple to use, great lines, great odds over at Bet Online. 
Bet online is where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Also, go check out the new Locked On College Basketball podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. I know Oklahoma basketball is not going great. There's a lot of intriguing things happening across the country. You can get in on all the information with some great hosts over on the Locked On College Basketball podcast. So, Josh, so it begs the question, what does Oklahoma do? Because we're really late in kind of the coaching cycle, the coaching carousel cycle, that if – Bill O'Brien headed to New England, opened a vacancy with the offensive coordinator job. Jeff Lebby somehow decides to take that job at Alabama. It kind of leaves Oklahoma in a bit of a pinch at offensive coordinator. Now, it's a very desirable job. It's a very, you know, everybody wants to be there, except if somebody decides another job is better. But it's, it's you know, you can find, there are, there are very few places in college football that would be better to coach at than being the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. So what would Oklahoma have to do? Good question. I mean, that, that is a, a million dollar question in this scenario. First off, I, again, I don't think Jeff Levy's winding up at Alabama, but just for hypothetical sake, I do think you have a couple of in-house options. Now, one of those in-house options that would have been pretty attractive obviously is no longer on campus in Kale Gundy. That would have been, you know, under this type of scenario, had everything that transpired with Kale Gundy not transpired, that probably would have been, I think, the top choice based on, you know, what we saw, well, really just the entirety of his career, John, and then what we saw in the Valero Alamo Bowl versus Oregon. Obviously, in-house, that's out, right? Okay, Joe John Finley is... Or is it? Or is it? Because yeah, I, I, mean, I think it's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it. Pa- I mean, I, I would assume so. Yes, but I wouldn't put it past everybody at Oklahoma to be like, all right, a year removed from all of this. Everybody's had a chance to sit back, kind of take a breath. Kill. Come on back. I, I don't think it would happen, but I mean, anything's possible in college football right now. It seems like Bobby Petrino gets second chances. I would be floored. I would be floored. I'm going to rule that possibility as out joe john finley now he's someone that i think has been coveted at other places as an offensive coordinator so that would be an option demarco murray is that someone that's that's ready for that type of opportunity he can recruit his tail off that part i think is clear the the play calling portion of it i I don't know that that would be uh that would be another question you just brought on Emmett jones that would seem to be too much too soon, right? Hasn't been on campus, so probably you're not going that direction. I would, uh, of those two options, Joe John Finley, DeMarco Murray, do you have a strong leaning in-house? I mean, probably Joe John Finley a little bit more just because he was part of the signal relay uh, from Jeff Lebby to Dylan Gabriel, so I think that would make a little bit of sense, just more communication. I mean, DeMarco would make sense too because he's had experiences with the run game, you know, part of the run game coordination uh, with Bill Biedenboe, and so it it makes a little bit of sense there, but yeah, I don't know if he's ready to kind of take on all of it. Um, but who would be, I mean, th- nobody's done it. And given what Oklahoma would need offensively to be able to can compete and contend in the big 12 in 2023, you kind of want to find somebody that's got some experience running an offense. Like I might even go back to, you know, guys that we've had in the past, maybe like a Jay Norvell, like he's got a head coaching gig right now, but would he welcome a chance to come back to the university of Oklahoma be the offensive coordinator and really like 
it's him. He's the offensive coordinator. He's taking the reins, not having to share duties with anybody that I, you know, the kill Gundy option would be intriguing because he, he did have a lot of success at the Alamo, uh, the very the Valero Alamo bowl. Sorry. Y'all, I'm a bit tired than tonight. It's I'm struggling, been dealing with a cold, uh, this week, but we're working through it. Um, you know, it, it'd be intriguing to see what would happen because right now I, I don't feel like there's a great option in house. You know what I mean? Like there are intriguing options, guys that you feel good about guys that you like guys that are really good coaches, but nobody with the experience that you'd like to lean on going into a pivotal second season with Brent Venables. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the, for a group of guys that I love and would love to see them get the opportunity at this hypothetical situation that doesn't yet exist. But if it did, I would love for them to have that chance. Probably that's a gamble you can't make right now. If you're Brent Venables in Oklahoma, and even if Brent Venables wanted to make said gamble, John, it might now, based on six and seven, be out of his hands to to make that. Now, publicly, they'll they'll probably it'll be would be postured as, oh, it's Brent Venables' decision all the way. But okay, is there a little bit more hands-on involvement from up top because of the way year one played out? Probably so, and that probably means that you're going out of house with somebody that has that experienced resume. Now, just thinking through this thing i don't know i mean could you could you pry a phil longo away who uh i believe just arrived in wisconsin right they they got him away from north carolina i mean that would be a name that people are really high on there's probably some other offensive coordinator types out there that have a little bit of experience let's move away from hypotheticals for a second josh Uh, i think we've probably covered as much of that as we can unless you have one more final thought on that yeah, no, not not necessarily. I mean, there's probably there's probably a couple of other names out there. Uh, Tommy Reese is somebody that from Notre Dame people have been high on in the past. And is that someone that uh, is that somebody that you could attract via the idea of hey, maybe you got to branch out from Notre Dame? Explore all options, and I'd just be of the mind to explore experienced options. In my opinion, just find somebody that you feel like can come in establish an offensive identity really quickly and just roll like they've they've done it before they know what they're doing you're not having to learn on the fly as you're trying to improve upon a six and seven season moving away from the hypothetical let's talk about a player that cbs cbs regarded as one of the best 20 returning players that were draft eligible for the 2023 season. One of those guys was an Oklahoma Sooner. We'll talk about that after I talked about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Easy to eat, 100% covered in chocolate. Tastes great, and it's great for you. Low calorie, high protein, low sugar. You'll love it. Great flavors. Peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, cookies and cream. They've got Built Puffs that are like a marshmallowy texture. They are fantastic. Granola bars that I love to have. My kids love them. My wife loves them. We have them on the house, on the fridge for breakfast, for lunch, for meal replacement, for pre-workout, post-workout. It's a great thing to have available to you. Again, go to built.com. Use promo code locked on 15, promo code locked on 15 at built.com to get 15% off your next order over at built.com. So over at CBS sports, Dylan Gabriel was ranked as the 16th best draft eligible sorry 13th best draft eligible 
player returning to college football in 2023 ahead of another quarterback of Oklahoma interest, Spencer Rattler. So what does that say to you, Josh, that he's so highly regarded that he would rank within the top 15 of draft eligible player players returning for 2023. I find it interesting because I don't know that Dylan Gabriel was getting, you know, drafted if he went into the NFL draft, I think probably he's a third day guy and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he would have gone undrafted if he had declared for the 2023 NFL draft. So that's, that's my honest initial reaction to it. But beyond that, I do think that it speaks to Oklahoma's getting a, a really good college quarterback back into the fold that, you know, some national folks out there, John, think if things go well in 2023 that he can work himself into a, a definite day three NFL draft pick in 2024 or, you know, a, a, a day two NFL draft pick in 2024. So those are that possibility is on the table for Dylan Gabriel, but obviously that would have to coincide with him playing, you know, the best season of his career, Oklahoma, I think being vastly improved and the offense being, you know, a big part of that. I think this is a big uh, return for Oklahoma. And I think it's, it's important that he is regarded as a pretty good quarterback. I mean, he's not in the elite stratosphere of quarterbacks in college football, but I'd venture to guess he's one of the best 15 quarterbacks in college football. I don't, I don't think that's unreasonable to say he might flirt with the top 10. Um, did he have some moments where you'd like him to be a little bit better in 2022? Absolutely. But he also had some moments where he was great. Like the way he, I feel like the way that he kind of managed the game a little bit against Florida state again, under a lot of duress because the pass protection wasn't great. I think that showed you just the veteran, you know, and the, the experience that he has to be able to understand like, okay, I'm not going to have a lot of time to sit back here in the pocket. I got to get the ball out fast or I got to get on the run. And he showed that he showed that he was capable of doing that. He had several games this year where he was just lights out uh, on the deep ball. He was really accurate in the intermediate game as well. And so I, I think it's, it's big for Oklahoma to have that quarterback continuity for 2023 as they're trying to find a resurgent year, you know, build upon what they did in 2022 Brent Venables first season and move forward. They got to have a better year this year. They can't have another losing season under Brent Venables in the second year having your quarterback back. That's a big start to that. No doubt. I mean, it's for Oklahoma. It's a massive return. There's, you know, probably the way this thing's going to play out, right. Unless things go horribly wrong halfway through for OU. It's, it's only always going to be hypothetical. What would have happened had Jackson Arnold been your starting quarterback in 2023. And if it remains that way, then that's, that's a great thing for Dylan Gabriel and OU, right? Because it means that Dylan Gabriel and Oklahoma are, are playing well and you don't get to that point where you say, let's let's just go ahead and see what, what we've got here in Jackson Arnold. So, you know, I, I do think that this is the best situation for Oklahoma in the immediate because I still think Dylan Gabriel is a really good college quarterback. When I say that he's someone that probably would have gone undrafted, that's not me just trying to – boo-hoo all over Dylan Gabriel look uh you know the standard of quarterback at Oklahoma is so high John 
but uh, you can be a, a really, really good college quarterback and not be an NFL draft pick or be a later NFL draft pick. Oklahoma's kind of been, you know, in this run of quarterbacks here of late to where they've just had these incredibly, well, I mean, two Heisman Trophy winners and number one overall draft picks, right? Sam Bradford, not too awfully long before that. And oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts came in and, and did some incredible things and Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler. We'll see what happens with both of those two. Oklahoma's been a quarterback factory, but you could be a really, really good quarterback and not be a top three round NFL draft guy. So I don't mean to, I hope I don't come across as talking like Dylan Gabriel's not a good quarterback. I think he's a fantastic college quarterback coming back to OU. And it's a huge return for the Sooners, John, that sets them up. I mean, that is step one for them to having a bounce back season is again, the continuity at the most important position, which is Dylan Gabriel his understanding of Jeff Levy's offense and the fact that he's got that first power five season behind him. Yeah. And I think the sky's the limit this year. If they can figure out who's going to be kind of that number two wide receiver opposite of Jalil Farouk, I feel like they're going to have a really good season because the offensive line seems to be coming together. You got Austin Stogner to replace Braden Willis. The running game looks like it's going to be really, really good with Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk. And again, I like Jalil Farouk. We love Drake Stoops. They got a group of guys that we feel like could be really good players for them at wide receiver. It's just a matter of who emerges and takes on a more significant role this season. So I think Dylan Gabriel is going to have another great year. I agree with you. I think he's in that fringe draftable range where it's six, seven or undrafted. A lot of it just size, you know, he, he doesn't have great size. Um, his arm strength is good enough, but it's not like elite arm strength. And if you're going to be small, you better have something elite, uh, whether it's mobility or elite arm strength or something like that. I mean, he can hit the deep ball, but throwing sideline to sideline isn't necessarily his, his, uh, his strength. I would say again, great college or really good college quarterback. And, and you see it all the time, like for 20, 30 years, we see guys who are really good college quarterbacks not get drafted by the NFL. And that's not, that doesn't take away anything from what they've done at their, their college stop. It just means it's really hard to get drafted as a quarterback because the NFL is looking for a type. Now the type has evolved and it's changed and they've been more open to smaller quarterbacks at times. And so that opens the door a little bit more for Dylan Gabriel, but as things stand now, I, I don't know if he would be drafted And I mean, he has a great year this year. Maybe he, somebody sees him as a potential backup down the road. Maybe for Tua, you go left-hander, left-hander, you know, from, you know, Tua Tagovailoa at Miami to Dylan Gabriel. You've got two left-handers. Receivers aren't having to evolve and change it up. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But having Dylan Gabriel back, like you said, it's the best case scenario for them because that means you have Dylan Gabriel, you have Jackson Arnold, you have two quarterbacks you feel great about. If Jackson Arnold doesn't get to play at all this year, that means Dylan Gabriel's done a great job. If you get up in some games and you feel like, hey, we need to let's give our, our true freshman quarterback some looks here in the fourth quarter as we were blowing out somebody and give him a few series just to get his feet wet a little bit. That's even great, too. If you feel like you have to go to him, by all means, they can go to him. If the season's not going the way anybody hopes, start his, you know, uh, his development off early. Uh, but having Dylan Gabriel back, it, it allows you. And this is the thing I wrote earlier on Sooners Wire was getting daily, getting Dylan Gabriel back. 
allowed the Oklahoma Sooners to focus their attention in the transfer portal and on the recruiting trail at other positions. Just like when Jackson Arnold committed in the 2023 cycle back in January a year ago, they didn't have to worry about quarterback anymore. They had their quarterback, so they could focus their attention, their resources elsewhere. The same is true for how they approach the transfer portal. Getting Dylan Gabriel back means they didn't have to go hunting for a quarterback in the transfer portal. They could focus on Walter Rouse. They could focus on Caleb Schaefer, Deshaun McCullough, Rondo Bothroyd, uh, Reggie Pearson. They could focus on those guys, you know, Davin Sears. They already had Jacob Lacey in uh, committed from November, but Davin Sears, like they were able to focus their attention elsewhere and not have to worry about quarterback because they had their guy. Dylan Gabriel's the starter. Unless something is going to, unless something unforeseen happens to Dylan Gabriel, he's going to be your starter. Unless he's just absolutely awful, dreadful, he's going to remain your starter throughout the 2023 season. I don't think that'll be the case. I think he's going to be really good. I think he'll put himself in the Heisman conversation at some point in the 2023 season. He's not going to be a preseason favorite or preseason like top 10 guy, but at some point during the season, I think he has a really, a really good strong season that he'll start to get a little bit of buzz, even if he never makes it into that top five, you know, top eight category of the, the Heisman hopefuls. Well, let's hope you're right, because if that happens, then it means that he's putting up some gaudy stats that any uh, insecurities or worries that you may have with the wide receiver core quickly uh, are forgotten either by just Jaleel Farouk's complete emergence or the arrival of a Jaden Gibson, a Nick Anderson, a couple of these other signees. I think Petaway's got a chance to be really special from day one. So that would be good. If uh, we reconvene at some point in time and we're talking about Dylan Gabriel, even just on the fringe list outside the top five Heisman candidates would mean things are going well for Oklahoma. And I agree with you. I think he's got a chance to do those things, Uh, you know, really just win. And he's going to find himself in that conversation. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. And give us a like, leave us a comment, and go over to Apple and give us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and it helps other people find out about the show as well. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref, me at John Nine Williams. We're also on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. But Make sure you're here for the live show on Monday nights where we'll interact with you, take your questions and comments as well. But for Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. Catch you next time. Boomer sooner.